Let me say to, to each of you guys how honored and privileged I feel to be able to, to bring this charge to you tonight. I've known each one of you for a number of years. And I want to say that we would not allow you to come to this point if we didn't have not only complete confidence in you, but in the ladies that you're married to. For a man, uh, a man brings with him into gospel ministry if he's married a partner. And that partner is either going to complement their ministry and enhance their ministry and for most of us really help their ministry or they will be a significant detriment. And I, find, I would find it very, very difficult to ordain a man to Christian ministry whose wife was not fully supportive and whose wife didn't exemplify the highest standards of Christian holiness. And so I want to affirm you not only for the calling that God has on your life, but the blessing that God has given you with the wives that will be walking the pathway of Christian service with you. And so I'm very, very pleased to be able to, to give you this charge tonight. What I want to do is to preach to you a sermon from a sermon. I want to preach to you a message from a message. I want to preach to you a passage of scripture that in itself was a sermon of the Apostle Paul. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 20. It's the only sermon in the book of Acts that's actually to a Christian audience. Every other sermon in the book of Acts is an evangelistic sermon. This is the only sermon in Acts that was preached by an apostle or a leader in the early church that was preached to a Christian group. And interestingly enough, it was preached by the apostle Paul to elders, to pastors, to shepherds of the church at Ephesus. So what I want to speak to you tonight for the next few minutes is a message I've entitled, Love Jesus by Serving His Church. And there are four things from Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38 that I want to direct your attention to. And, and so as I speak to you, I hope all of our congregation will listen in and catch something of the deep passion that Paul had for the church. The first thing I want to say to you is serve Jesus by serving his church. Look with me beginning in verse 17 and let me read through verse 21. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church, the pastors, the shepherds, the leaders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I did not that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews and how I did not shrink from preaching to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let me stop right there and say a few things about that, about that passage. I want you to notice that Paul lived his life in full view of the people that he served. Notice he says in verse 18, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia. And then look with me over in verse 34. Look over in verse 34, just a little bit further down, where he says, You yourselves know that these hands minister to, that these hands minister to my own needs and to the men 
who were with me in everything I showed you. I want to suggest to you that there's no place in Christian ministry for closet pastors. That pastors aren't called to be separate from the people, but pastors are called to be among the people. And the Apostle Paul, when he ministered, didn't cloister himself away in a study day after day, hour after hour, week after week, month after month. He cloistered himself away to get a word from God, to preach to the people of God. But then he worked among the people of God. They saw him. They got to know him. They associated with him. They saw his strengths. They saw his weaknesses. They saw his abilities. They saw those areas that he was not as strong in. So let me say to you, if all you want to be is a preacher, you can't be a pastor. If all you want to be is a teacher, you can't be a shepherd. Because preachers and pastors and shepherds have to rub shoulders with the people that they're called to serve. And the only way that they can love them and to know how to effectively preach and minister and teach them is by actually being with them. So I would say to you that you will, you, one of your great battles will be to spend too much time alone and not enough time with people. Now there's a balance, isn't there? There's a balance between being alone with God and being out among the people of God. One debilitates a ministry as much as the other. But I, I want to say to you that Paul was among people and he could say, you yourselves know, you watched me, you were with me, you've, you've seen how I've conducted myself. And so as Paul served the church, he served the church by being with the church. And notice what he wanted them to remember about him. There were several things that he wanted, he wanted to be brought to their minds. He says in verse 19, serving the Lord, and then notice how he served the Lord, with humility, with tears, with trials, with boldness, and with evangelism. Uh, let me address each of those for just, just a moment. First, he served the Lord and he served God's people with humility. The, the greatest danger in Christian ministry is when God begins to use you because you begin to make it about you if you're not very careful. But it's never about us. It's always about him. And success is the breeding ground for pride. And so Paul was a man whose life was saturated in humility because he knew who Jesus was and he knew who he was. Hence, he knew he wasn't Jesus. Secondly, he served the Lord with tears, which carries the idea that, that there's going to be great disappointment in ministry. People are going to let you down and you're going to let people down. People are going to do things to hurt you deeply and you're probably going to do some things to hurt people deeply. But Paul did not allow the disappointments that he experienced in ministry, the, the, sense of, the sense of abandonment by friends to keep him from doing what the Lord had called him to do. And again, it goes back to the idea that it is not about us, it's about him. And if you're not willing to be disappointed and you can't serve the people of God, they will disappoint you. But you know what? You will disappoint them as well. And so you've got to be ready and you've got to be prepared to experience some disappointment in ministry. Some of the people that you, that you will love the most and some of the people you will invest in the most will sometimes leave you and they will go to other churches. 
And they won't understand why it hurts you and pains you and grieves you so deeply. And it has to do because you've invested in that relationship and you've discipled them and you've mentored them and you've taught them and you've, you've been friends with them. And, and it's going to bring tears to you. Maybe not physical tears, but, but tears in your heart. And then there's going to be, going to be suffering. Paul, Paul experienced suffering. We don't experience much suffering here and now. But suffering's on the horizon. And all around the world, genuine, authentic believers are suffering great persecution for their faith. And we've got to be willing to suffer persecution. We've got to be willing to suffer tears. We've got to be willing to suffer persecution if that's what it takes. But we also need to be bold in our preaching. We need to be willing to state the truth. We need to state it with winsomeness. But we need to state it directly and pointedly. Notice what Paul says in verse 20. And I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So so he preached to them boldly, And he evangelized the people effectively. Notice he called them to faith and repentance. There's no gospel without repentance. There's no faith without repentance. It's repentance and faith. And and our preaching should be biblical. That's why I think preaching through the Bible, book by book, paragraph by paragraph, is the best way to preach because you have your own and I have my own hobby horses. I have the things I'm really drawn to. I to. I would like to teach or speak about all the time. Uh, But what you find is that's not preaching. Preaching is taking the word of God and then the spirit of God uses the word of God and he applies it to the people of God. God doesn't work apart from the word and the word is ineffective apart from the spirit. So it is correctly preaching the word and then praying to almighty God that he would anoint it and use it and empower it so that it grips the hearts and the minds of the people And even before it grips their heart and minds, it grips your heart and mind. So in 18 through 21, serve Jesus by serving his church. Be among them, be with them, be a part of them. Let them see your strengths and your weaknesses. Don't use your... your, the necessity of study to keep you from being with people. Uh, But then as you minister among them, be humble, be tearful, be willing to suffer... Be evangelistic and be a preacher. But the second thing I want you to notice, guys, is this. Don't let suffering or disappointment keep you from serving God. I mentioned it a moment ago, or Paul did, when he said tears and suffering. But sometimes disappointment will keep us from serving God in the way that we, that we ought to be served. I want you to notice that Paul makes a shift here. He goes from you know to I know. He goes from what they know about how he behaved among them to what he knows about his future. And what he knows about his future is that it's going to involve suffering. What he knows about his future is that it's hard days before him. So look with me in verse 22. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He knows there's hard days in front of him. He knows there's arduous situations in front of him. He goes on to say, except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city 
saying that bonds and afflictions await me. That's courage. The ministerial life is not the easiest life. There's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of sleepless nights. But what propels us and motivates us and encourages us to keep pressing on? Well, I want to say verse 24 is the key verse maybe in the entire passage. Maybe you'll make it your life verse. Maybe verse 24 will be the will be the 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 verse that's emblazoned on your heart from tonight. Maybe if you get a tattoo on your back, this would be what you tattoo on your back, verse 24. I got some ink and some pens back there, and we can take care of that tonight. But nevertheless, this is what the Apostle Paul said. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. He said, my life isn't that important in the big picture. It's Christ's kingdom that matters most. It's the grace of God that is of ultimate importance. I want to say that's a verse to emblazon on your heart Because when ministry gets difficult, it's only the grace of God and the call of God that will keep you in Christian service. He goes on and he expands on it just a little bit in verses 25 through 27. He says, and now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will not see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel, declaring to you the whole purpose of God. And so Paul says, you'll never see my face again. And I can leave knowing that I've been faithful to preach to you the truth of God. That I didn't shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. To preach to you all of the truth of God. And so Paul had a clear conscience in his ministry. Because Paul preached the word of God. Preach the Bible. Preach the word of God in the power of the spirit of God. Your people don't need to hear your opinions. And they don't need to hear the opinions of others. They need to know what the word of God says. And that's what Paul teaches us here. Paul says to the, to the Ephesians, you know what I was like when I was with you because I lived among you. And then he says, I know what's in front of me. It's a, it's, a, it's a life of suffering as I go to Jerusalem. And indeed, he was almost murdered in Jerusalem by the Jews. He was arrested in Jerusalem and spent approximately five years in prison. But in light of his past ministry in Ephesus, in light of his future ministry of suffering... He wants to give some advice to a group of pastors. And he wants, to, he wants to say several things to them in verses 28 through 25. He's speaking to the elders. Sometimes people say, would you all have elders? Well, of course we do because we have pastors. Pastors are elders. Pastors are shepherds. 
And so he's speaking to the pastors, he's speaking to the elders, he's speaking to the shepherds in Ephesus. So what's a pastor to do? He gives several pieces of advice to them. First, he tells them, watch over yourself. Look with me in verse 28. Be on guard, underline that, be on guard for yourselves. He's saying, watch over your life. Watch over your spiritual life. It's easy for you to think that because you're engaged in the things of God that you're walking with God. It's easy to think because you're teaching the Bible that you're living the Bible. It's easy to think you are what you know, but you are not what you know. You are what you do. Watch your spiritual life closely. Be men of prayer. Be men of deep devotion to Jesus Christ. When he says keep watch over yourselves, he says keep watch over your family. You're not only the shepherd of God's people, you're the shepherd of your home. And God forbid that you sacrifice your family for your pastoral ministry. Your family matters more than your pastoral calling. The headship of your home matters more than your headship and leadership in the church. Caring for your wife matters more than caring for any other person. Shepherding, loving, and sacrificing for your children matter more than any shepherding that you do in the church. If you can't care for your family, you can't care for the church. So watch over yourself by watching over your family. Don't let ministry take you from your family. Don't let ministry zap from you the most precious years you will ever have. Raising your children. Now ministry is arduous. Ministry is time consuming. Ministry is difficult. Ministry is laborious. Ministry is glorious and wonderful and spectacular. And all of those things are true. But your family matters more than your ministry. And nobody matters more than your wife. And if God, well, God has blessed all of you with children and Drew and Kate's soon to arrive on the scene, your children need your attention. Don't sacrifice your family for a church. Watch over yourself. Watch your demeanor. If you're not careful, you can become so frustrated with people that you're not much used to people because we want people to all walk in lockstep with us. We want everybody at the same place. We want everybody to behave in the same way. We want everybody to be at the same spiritual level, but there are a variety of levels. They've got different gifts, different abilities. They think about things differently. They mature differently. And you can't treat everybody the same, so you've got to watch over your demeanor. When you become frustrated with your people, you become useless to your people. You're to watch over them by watching over yourself. So keep watch over yourself. He he goes on to say, keep watch over the flock. Look with me in verse 28 again. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. That is, get to know them. And when you get to know them, you will love them and they will love you because the people of God are the very best people in all the world. There There are mean churches and there are lousy pastors and sometimes they both come together. And sometimes a good pastor gets a lousy church and sometimes a good church gets a lousy pastor. But typically you will find that the people of God will love you if you will love them. They will follow you if you will lead them kindly and patiently and gently and caringly and lovingly. 
And don't expect them to be where they've not yet been. And so the moment you begin to experience a lot of frustration, you've got a problem. And the problem isn't the people. The problem is you. The problem is your demeanor and your expectations. And so spend more time in prayer if you've got frustration with your congregation. Spend more time in prayer if you've got frustration with those you're trying to lead. Spend more time in prayer focusing on your own disposition and interceding for your people whom God has entrusted into your care and take concern for yourself. But when frustration begins to rise, it says it's more about you than it does about other people. And let me warn you about frustration in ministry. Frustration is the evidence that you're not... You're not up early enough. You're not up early enough in a closed room with the word of God in prayer. Frustration is more about you than it is your people. You've got to shepherd God's flock. Keep watch over God's flock. Because in the latter part of verse 28, those people that you are frustrated with were bought by the blood of Jesus. He loves them. And he's a better shepherd than you are. And if he's not frustrated with them and wringing his hands over them and demeaning them, then neither should you. He bought them with his own blood. That's why I say to people on a regular basis, you can't love Jesus if you don't love his church. He bought the church with his own son's blood. So love the church. God loves the church. Invest in the church. Christ is invested in the church. And those who live on the fringes, they don't yet love God like they think they do. So love the church. He goes on in verses 29 through 31. He says, I know, I know that after I depart, savage wolves are going to come in. Never forget doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. False teaching is always creeping into the church. Pragmatism is the rule of the day in many churches. Doctrine matters. The Bible matters. Truth matters. Never forget Satan finds his way into the church often through the teaching or the lack of teaching in a church, toward the pragmatism that drives a church, toward the lack of doctrinal integrity and emphasis that often isn't emphasized in a church. Never forget doctrine matters, he says. But in the midst of all of that, in verse 31, he says, Therefore, therefore, be on the alert. Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish you with tears. Notice the passion, the zeal that he had for those people. He loved the people that he served. And a lot of times it's easy to love the organization and not the people. It's easy to love the budget or the program and not the people. But Paul loved the people. So in one sense, you've got to have your eyes looking in different directions. On one hand, you're looking out for the people of God. On the other hand, you're looking out for the wolves that are trying to infiltrate the church. But let me give you a final final admonition. That is develop deep friendships with those you serve. Notice how Paul ends verses 36 through 38. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they began to weep aloud, and they embraced Paul 
and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Develop deep friendships with those you serve. Paul had developed the deepest of friendships with those in the congregation at Ephesus, particularly among the leadership. And a lot of times people will say you, you, you can't be close friends with the people in the congregation because you can't share everything with them. Uh, I would say that's just stupid thinking. It, it, it's, just, it's just stupid. I don't tell my wife everything. There's nobody on this earth that matters more to me than my wife. There's nobody I love more. There's nobody I care more about. There's nobody whose opinion I value more than I value her opinion. But I can't tell her everything because people tell me things in confidence. And when people tell me things in confidence, that means I'm to keep it in confidence. There are burdens that I experience as a, as a pastor that she shouldn't have to bear. She's not paid to bear those burdens. So at night, sometimes, two to four in the morning, I'm lying in bed thinking about things, praying about things, burdened about things. Why should she be burdened about some of those, some of those matters? There are certain things I can't, I can't share with her, even though she's the closest person in the world to me, because she shouldn't have to bear what I bear. Now, we share a lot. There's very little that I don't share with her. And so sometimes people will say, how can you be close friends with people in your church if you can't just have a wide open relationship and just say anything to them? Because that's a stupid approach. It's just ridiculous. How can you not be friends with the people that you serve? Some of the people I love most in the entire world are members of this church. People that encourage me, support me, they send me emails, they write me cards. The people in this church are the people that I would turn to in my hour of greatest need. And so I would say develop deep friendships with those you serve. What better way to do life and to do ministry than with the people that, uh, that, you, are, that you are shepherding? And if you will love them, they will love you. If you will care for them, they will care for you. You'll let them down sometimes, they'll let you down sometimes. But in the big picture of things, there's, there's no greater joy than caring for pe God's people because God bought them with his own blood.